0: i Alison McMahon and I am the CEO of Cannabis at Work, Canada's leading source for cannabis industry jobs. I'm lucky to get to meet so many cool people in this industry and I'm constantly blown away by their stories and I'm excited to share them with you. Before we jump in, I want to remind you that if you're interested in a career in cannabis, you can register with us by submitting your resume at cannabisatwork.com. Also, don't forget to get tickets to the industry's biggest career event, the Cannabis Career Festival, happening on September 27th in Toronto, Ontario. Tickets and information can be found at CannabisCareerFestival.com and you can use the promo code PODCAST for 15% off tickets. Our guest today is Jay Rosenthal. Jay talks to us about his passion for cannabis companies, brands, people, and trends. All the things that are driving the global cannabis industry. Let's hear Jay's story.
1: Jay. Hello, Allison. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm cold. Yes.
2: Cold day in Toronto. <laughs>
1: cold is, few is. days in Toronto. It is. supposed to break this weekend, but we'll see. Right.
2: Yeah. And so I'm from Alberta, so I don't have a ton of sympathy because I've been going through that my whole life, but uh, but I do feel the pain, that's for sure. Yes.
1: Pain. And I'm from Boston, and people are like, oh, it's cold there. It's just not like this. Right. Ever. Yeah.
2: Right. Phil's character.
1: Uh, if you say so.
2: Right. I do. I do. That's <laughs> what I tell myself. That's what I tell myself. Right.
1: It's it's uh, yeah.
2: So Jay, um you alongside Blaine are the yep. founders of Business of Cannabis.
1: We are. And, and we have one other founder, Reva Seth as well. But yes, the us. Oh, have-
2: right, Reva. Yeah. Yes. And Riva's based in the US, correct?
1: She is based in San Francisco, yes.
2: Yes. Slightly less visible, which is why I forget her. My apologies, but uh, it will really as well. Um, so let's start there. Tell us a little bit about business with cannabis. What do you guys do? Sure.
1: Sure. I'll tell you, the, I'll, I'll tell you what we do, and then I'll, if it's okay, I'd love to tell the origin story because I think that's funny. Um, so we uh, produce content, research, and experiences that showcase and illuminate the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. That's what I say every time. We did yeah. a little show, but but it actually I was thinking about those words, and I, I think about them often because I say them often. But it really is what we do and why we got into this, um, because that's what was interesting to us. So Reva and I used to work at an agency together years ago. She right. left first. I left at the beginning of 2017, and even right. before that, we were constantly thinking about when we would have our sort of walks and coffee. Um, yeah. What like, is there something for us in the cannabis space? We were
3: yeah.
1: both advocates. She, she comes; is she very involved in liberal politics, but aside from that, she also believes strongly in um, legalization and about the medicinal value of cannabis. And we've both been recreational users for longer than we can remember. Um, mm-hmm. And so we would say like, this industry is really compelling. What is it? What do we do? What, what can we learn? And I knew some folks sort of on the public affairs side, because that's more of my background.
3: Mm-hmm. She knew
1: people... And like Bay Street Law and finance and just was very connected. And so we said, well, let's go talk to people. We started with two or three conversations that led to six or 12 more. And, you know, we met people certainly on the finance side and the legal side, which is great. Uh, But once we started meeting the real entrepreneurs in the space, whether they be people who were licensed producers or technology people, it was really that was the story that was really compelling to us was. This was something that was hyper-entrepreneurial, and, yeah. and, and added to that was like in this really um, uncertain, regulated, yeah. so like what the regulatory, so it's like we're going to push all our chips in, and we don't know, like we don't even know what winning will be like, but right. we want to do this. And, yeah. and it was certainly the case, like we met a bunch of LPs who were, we had a piece of land or a building, let's do this, or we care a ton about this plant, like we, we, this is a cause for us, we're going to do it. And that was, those people were awesome. And then, I mean, then there were some sort of key inflection points, honestly, and I'll name names because they know this too. Um, The folks that like at that point, cannabis, Wheaton, right. So, so Chuck and Hugo and the team there, and it's like, wow, they are doing something that is amazing. And they've been doing this like on the legal side and then Chuck sort of uh, on the the tweet side, this is amazing. And they are like hyper entrepreneurs and we met uh, John Prentice at Ample Organics. And
3: mm-hmm.
1: then it sort of clicked like, oh, this is what we were, we were calling them this at the time. But it was like ancillary businesses and everything that's going to develop around it. And then it was, oh, strain print, that that's even like that's next level. And they were talking about how data is going to be super important once this rolls out. And Canada had the unique advantage. And all these things were really compelling to us as we were meeting them. But none of them were exactly like, oh, we could go do that or this or that. It was – and I looked at it from a public affairs perspective. I said, well, this is an industry that's heavily regulated. I used to work. I still do in, in some capacities in California in heavily regulated industries. Yeah. I get how you have to behave as, a, as an industry really right. to help understand and craft and be part of the regulatory shaping system. Mm-hmm. And the industry at that time, and even to a larger extent now – doesn't really have a constituency outside of the industry itself to advocate for itself. Right. And unlike unlike energy, unlike a lot of heavily regulated industries, I worked in energy, and education, and healthcare in the States. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't have that constituency, you get the regulatory environment. That would suggest you don't have a constituency, right? Unbearable yeah. marketing regulations, unbelievable constraints yeah. on how you can grow your business, all those things I, I'd seen in other industries, as at Riva. And so we said, how do we help tell that story? And this is where we sort of made this, not revelation, (laughs) to call it a revelation, we give it too much importance, but, oh, Mm -hmm. we could help tell these stories. Like, we love these stories. We could help tell them. The only stories at that point that were being told were really um, in the mainstream media, were like publicly traded companies, lots of people making money. Like, that was really the story. Or the ground floor story, which is in Toronto for sure, there's all these dispensaries opening up, which some seem amazing, like there was a 1066, which was like, Wow, that's beautiful. And then yeah, there was people love in them. that store.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, and there's still a sign on it now. But then there was one that opened up in my neighborhood, which is not like near that beautiful park where 1066 yeah. was. But I was like, I don't, I don't really want that in my neighborhood. But I'm, I like cannabis, and I'm for what's right. happening. How do I reconcile those things? If I can't reconcile them, how is anybody else going to? And so we actually went ahead, and I won't even name the newspaper that we went ahead with. But we said, look, we could tell this story to the the sort of the the sort of thinkers and movers in the country, yes. we think they would be compelled by this, and so we went ahead with this newspaper and said, "Sell us a section, right? For uh, it was actually going to be November 2017. Yes. Sell us a section, and we will program against it. We will write the co- we will produce the content. We will sell advertising into it. We will help tell these stories. We were going to call it the Canadian Cannabis Guide 2017." And we spent four to six months, I'd say, so summer of 2017 up through the end of November, like getting the stories written, meeting new people, um, putting together sort of the the who's who and selling advertising against it, only to have that newspaper pull the plug literally a week before we were supposed to. Oh go really? To I don't think I ever knew that.
2: Oh, I remember yeah. coming it's to a... that launch event that you yeah. held in November 2017 yeah. in
1: Toronto. Oh, I don't yeah. think
2: I knew that they pulled the plug on that.
1: Interesting. They yeah, it was it was awful. Like, it was, <laughs> yeah. But this is this is like the start our own startup story where you say, oh, these things happen, and in hindsight it was the exact moment that that launched everything. But it seemed at the moment like it was crushing because right. we had planned this launch event and you were there and. And lots and
3: uh
1: there. Yeah. Yeah, lots of I mean that was that was sort of the big revelation. Like we could hold this event, we had a great panel, we had a thing we wanted to talk about, and we were launching business of cannabis out of it, but the whole point of why we were all there was for this thing that was gonna be in the newspaper the next day, which wasn't gonna be in the newspaper. Um <laughs> so we but <laughs> but, but like and we and, and we and this is this is sort of your part of the story too, we had gone to um continue to sell into this and meet new people in September of 2017 at Ocannabiz or Grow Up in um, yeah. Niagara Falls. Exactly
3: and we met you. We met you, yeah.
1: Yeah. And we were like, oh, you know, it, it was the more eye-opening, like, oh, this industry is like, it's not just the growers and the technology behind it or the consumer stuff. It's like, it's the law and the HR and the training right. and the recruiting and all those things really started to hit home at that conference, actually. And at the same time, we saw opportunity. We said, we like this conference, but we also think, we could do part of what we want to do, uh, not only in the paper, like, but that never happened, but we could actually, there was content to build around this. And this is where Blaine comes in, actually. So yeah. we were meeting with, I was meeting with Blaine. I knew her from a friend probably in the late summer 2017. And I told her what Reva and I were doing and that we were building a thing for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, well, you have all these amazing connections. You have all these people. You are really becoming, like, you're learning a ton about it and you're doing this thing in the paper, what are you going to do with that content? Yeah. And, I said, and I looked at her, I swear, I said, I honestly don't know the words. I don't know what you're talking about. She said, well, you know, this is the new world. And I said, oh, I get it. If we could actually turn our, the people we had met and help tell their stories and have them tell it. And how do we do that? And that's when everything sort of, like everything sort of, the team started to form and that was how we fell into place. And mm-hmm. we were going to do this thing. And, November in the paper, but we already had this event planned. And when we all got to the event at that day in, in late November, we said, Oh, like we knew, we didn't even know all the panels. We knew sort of where they worked and that they said yes to, to be on the panel. Um, yeah. But then in the room, there was, you know, we had invited a bunch of people and those people showed up. And then there was like maybe 100 other people who we didn't know, um, right. which was great. But also the people we hadn't actually hadn't met each other. Right. At that point. Right. And I said, "Well, how can you not know each other? Like you, you were, like some of them, like you all are in Toronto. You're all in the same space, but you don't know each other. Yeah. That seems strange to us because to us, you are the people to know, yeah. right? And we, there was a early late stage applicant, and they soon got their license after. But like they didn't know they were, they were trying to connect with John Prentice, right? And so right. It, they all met at that event, and they that was business.
3: Yeah. Their
1: MNP was on the panel, and like they ended oh, up right? MNP.
3: The, the auditing. Yes.
1: Yeah. And yeah. like they met someone who then became a client. Someone hired Denton's out of that event. Right. So we were saying, wow, this is like, clearly there are misconnections in this whole space because right. if we know these people and we got in this business, like, you know, yesterday, like yeah. a couple of minutes ago in relative terms.
2: Um, you guys really created that like space for people to have the collisions with one another that they needed.
1: Yeah. I, I, we happened into it, right? It's, I was trying to think before we got on the call, like, like it's um I'm going to butcher this paraphrase even. It's like opportunity plus planning, you know, timing plus planning equals, you know, luck or whatever. Right. Um, like it was a lot of those things. And, and we genuinely, not to be too sappy, we actually really liked the people who we met. It, yeah. It wasn't, that's that's
2: yeah. the thing. It, you find yeah. your tribe at the same time. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's happened a lot over the past, certainly since right. then. Right. Um, so-
2: So can we attack a few things in that? Like, it's such a fascinating story. Like, uh, if you're able to share, like, I'm I'm curious about um, just just being kind of reflective of, I think some of the kind of marketing challenges in this industry, like, are you able to share, like, why did that that cannabis guide with that newspaper fall apart? Like, did they get cold
3: feet?
1: Yes. So we, and even when we knocked on their door, in June, I can even look back like it was mid June, 2017 and said, here's what we want to do. Their eyes, cause we were meeting with the the business ad sales people, right? Yeah. Their eyes lit up cause this was, they had no idea how to access this market. They know there was huge dollars being spent or about to be spent. Yes, there was restrictive stuff, but it wasn't like now, like it wasn't like cannabis act type of restrictions. It was,
3: yeah.
1: you know, you know, people weren't like people were buying ads. And people were spending money, and we were doing something that would help them into the market, but also they could get money without actually having to, like, sell it themselves. Like, that was the, yeah. that was the benefit to them. And we got lots of clearance. Like, it went up the flagpole at the publication, um, mm-hmm. only to come back after we had really done all the work to say, we can do this thing, but we can't actually name any licensed producers or actually, some of these brands even in the paper.
3: Yeah. Like
1: we will, like for, as an example, and I'll I'll do this. This was not one of the examples, but though, we can say a licensed producer in Leamington, Ontario, but we can't name a company. It's like well,
2: super helpful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Uh, why don't just yeah? Why don't we just fold up shop and go home? Um yeah. But 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 that was you know. But this, and I will say, sort of mixed blessing. Like the industry, especially at that time like felt pretty put upon in terms mm-hmm. of not getting lots of credibility in the mainstream media, other than sort of business, you know, stock stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and this not just not put us on equal footing of them, like being like a murder, but like something happened to us. That was very negative, which put us, in good light with our, the people we were trying to partner with, right, uh, right. which was helpful. Well, it um,
2: kind of almost, like, just makes your platform more obvious as, yeah. like, like, the solution to the problem when yes. the mainstream media is like, oh, wait, we can't participate in this.
1: Yeah. Yes. And we've had some version of that re- story repeat itself yeah. two or three times over the course of the year. Yeah. Um, and each time it feels like we're about to crack something wide open on the mainstream media front. And it, it's just, it's a challenging not to crack because it's it, not just because of lawyers, but it's, it's, they're, they're very timid, yep, frankly, uh, sure. with some very few exceptions and it's hard to crack.
2: Yeah. It's been interesting since legalization, a couple of cannabis industry shows I was at, I was at um, Cannabis in Vancouver at the beginning of December and then yep. again at, uh, at Lyft here in Vancouver yep. in January, it's all of a sudden those mainstream media platforms like are all over those events like yeah. at, yeah. at cannabis, which wasn't a huge trade show floor, um, they really stood out where it was like, I, I, I may maybe guessing a little bit, but it was like, you know, post media was there and, and yep. I can't remember all of them to name them all, but just like, it was like, whoa, here you are all of a sudden. So yeah. It's, yeah, and then even for ourselves, like a project we were working on literally like the beginning of October, so pre-October 17th, we called a radio station and tried to do an ad buy. And we're not even an LP, like we're no. an ancillary business, yes. um, and they wouldn't do it for us. And then, but as soon as legalization hit, then they were willing to sell us those ads. So
1: it's been interesting Great. to
2: watch that segment of the market
3: be
1: very yeah. timid,
2: and then all of a sudden, like show up
1: really quickly. But but I think and I, I, this is gonna sound so like we were there first, but yeah. but it also comes <laughs> yeah. across as they actually they, they've missed a year of sort of learning and understanding, yeah. and not that you need that to going to be people to buy ads, but, but I think in the industry, it helps to know that people were, understand it even in some capacity. Um, and so we yeah so we, we think we do now. I'm not sure we did then, but I think we do now uh, yeah. understand a lot better. Okay. And, and I, it's funny, and, I, and this is, I don't know if I read into this, but I think there is this, um, look, we met you a long time, a, long, a relatively long time ago, yeah. um, but, but we were new. Like when we met you, we really had no idea what we were doing. Um, we just know we wanted to do this one thing in the newspaper, but out of that we were going to launch hopefully this bigger thing. Um, but there was this like, if you're in it before, you know, 2018, that's like old school. And, like, yeah. and I know I'm like, we are new. Like, and I know people will hear this and like, no, like, so you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But, um, but even in the sort of relative terms, we yeah. were there a long time ago. Um, yeah. And it's funny, like some of our, like our core friends, I will say, like the people that helped us launch, and we were we we're, were in we are gonna be in this thing in the paper, like some of them were just getting their footing and launching as well, so yeah. we were like comrades in arms type of thing, yeah, um as this thing took off and it and it did t- like whatever way it took off, it actually found resonance with a very core audience, yeah like late twenty seventeen early twenty eighteen, and that's when we really I'm not sure we found our groove, but we we saw a groove to go find, I guess
2: yeah. And I think the other thing about this story that's like near and dear to my heart is just it's like the the pivoting required to find your place in this industry. And that's not like that's not gone today. Like we're still all pivoting. Yeah. Um, as we go, because everybody's literally figuring it out as, as you go. Um, I think that's it's really an important like skill to be able to be like, okay, that didn't quite work out the way we thought it would. Uh, yeah. And we need to shift gears and that's okay. And everybody's pivoting all the time. So yeah. like, you just have to be able to like adapt and problem solve and go forward. But um, I think the, the industry, like the cool thing is like the industry is willing to support people in that journey.
1: Yeah. 'Cause everybody's in, in some respects is along for the ride. The, yeah. the 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 nice part for for us, and I I would expect suspect for you as well, is we don't have tens of millions of dollars of other people's money to go pivot with. <laughs> we're like, right.
3: We're we're right. much yeah.
1: more nimble. Um right. and and that's that's great. Um but also it has it is like made up of this pool of people who by circumstance have to do that all the time, even it, for no other reason than the regulations change. That's right. And Like we met with a guy, you know, because we talked to a lot of people just because we like talking to them and it's good for, good for our sort of business. Um, Had an edibles company and the regs came out or the draft regs. And he's like, my business doesn't work on that. Like I, this needs to be refrigerated and that it's not shelf stable because shelf stable is kind of (laughs) gross. Like like that's the point. We want to serve fresh food. This is the way to do it. Now we have to pivot, but it's the pivot part that's compelling. And it's funny, my, my daughter and I, and she's nine, uh, we listen to this podcast called um, Without Fail, which is about startup stories and really successful mm-hmm. ones. And then mm-hmm. we sort of burn out. But it's um, there, was a, there was one around like startups need these two contradictory things. One is persistence and yeah. one is the ability to pivot. Yeah. Right, And those two things can be the opposite. Yeah. Although if you are very persistent about pivoting at the right yeah. way and the right time, like that is very compelling. And we've had to do that you know, certainly with the thing we were going to do in the paper actually not happening. And we pivoted that to actually, you know, go back to these partners as, you know, we are in the same industry. Like we, we all feel the same pain. Mm -hmm. So then even like the next step was, that was late 20, that was like December, 2017. And then we said, Oh, we have now we have a thing we need to capitalize on. Like we need to do stuff. And, um, you know, the first thing we did was we had commissioned that December for release in January, like a public opinion poll. Like let's get a sense of where Canadians are, not only because that's good for our platform to talk about, but maybe media will be interested in that as well because we're not, like we have media connections. This is sort of the the world that we come from. If we could produce this, make it from a known pollster, like maybe we could get some coverage and it worked. Like whatever happened, it worked. Um, And then we had something to talk about. And then we had another piece of research that we did actually with the HRPA here in Ontario at the end of January uh, last year that also was newsworthy and that capitalized on their conference and their outreach in terms of their network. So we actually through partnership gained like credibility is talking about real things at the right time to the right audience and be available to actually talk about it. And it was probably actually this time last year where we had gone back to our partners who had like left their money with us out of a publication that never happened to say, we want to provide value to you over this year. Right. So, Many of them had said, keep the money, give us value. That's perfect. We love what you're doing. Yeah. And and so we went on these meetings, this round of meetings. They're like, we want this very specific thing, you know, in this timeline. Like, like we we can't do that 20 times over. Like, A, there's not enough money to do that. But also, we can't do 20 things in three months to the specifications of all these partners. So what could we do that sort of draws on these big themes that we were hearing? And from licensed producers to technology to anybody else, the one thing we kept hearing was like this patient body and medical cannabis is so important to us that it maintained beyond legalization of recreational. Right. So yeah. that was really important. point. So well, what if we just made something called medical cannabis week? Like,
3: right.
1: like, it like we'd see that this would be an important conversation to drive. Yep. We see that most of the conversation is not about this. How do we actually drive a conversation about it? So we yeah. put together sort of three days of programming. We made it convenient for people to come. We found sponsors and partners to help us put it on. We leveraged other people's networks like TechTO and HealthTO here in Toronto Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: said, let's do this. Let's drive conversations, patients, practitioners. What does the regulatory environment look like down the road? You know, what do pharmacists think? Like we created a safe space for some of these uh, advocacy groups, organizations, and even companies that were certainly in the space, but they weren't going to go talk about it in an industry setting necessarily because either their American counterparts or like the brand right. of their company was not there yet to be in the Canada space, even though they were wildly in it. And so I think for the first time we could, we could get like a sales force, for example, to host an event, like a major multinational company based in the States and really involved in the back end of, um, you know, certainly clinics and LPs on the medical side. Okay, great. Let's do an event there. We had Microsoft present uh, on a panel during Medical Cannabis Week. We had premier law firms who were definitely in the space but really wanted to talk about their expertise around regulatory environment, risk management. You know, you are setting up essentially a pharma company. What does that look like? What do recalls look like? Like all these things people really wanted to talk about and we could create a space that it actually happened. And that was successful. We're going to do it again this year. But it was really finding those opportunities and conversations to drive that we could do in a way that really may have been part and parcel of other events but certainly weren't the sole focus of other events at that point and yeah. it, was, it was successful um,
2: yeah and I think medical cannabis week like came at an interesting time when the conversation had kind of already shifted over to rec but like yeah. It was kind of getting left behind so it was also Mm -hmm. kind of like the perfect timing to like reframe the conversation about that and and i would expect even this year like that same kind of sense of like you know the focus has kind of moved away from medical for now but it's important that we're still talking about this and there's still a market there and and there's going to be a ton of innovation and,
1: and research in the coming years and
2: and i think we'll see a real resurgence in that market soon
1: yeah, and I think the companies need it. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I think you know they've had a couple months under their belt in adult use, and it's business. It's good business, and it's important business brand building, all of those things. But I'd be surprised if for many of them, most of the revenue is still not coming from those thousands of patients, or at least a really good chunk of it. With the best, most profitable sales are going to patients, right? Because it's a one-on-one relationship. It may be shifting over time, but like it's still a core of their business, and it is under. Under talked about, but not on their balance sheet is my guess. Um, Right, that's really important. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So then, like you, like bring us closer to present day, and and like you guys got acquired by Civilized, which is so awesome, and I happened to be in town in Toronto when um, that was just fresh news and got to hang out with you, and that was really yeah. fun. Um, yeah. I love those kind of special moments in this industry, but, like, yeah. so tell us a little bit about, like, who is Civilized, if sure. people don't know, and then sure. um, what's that connection between your organizations,
1: and what does that kind of mean for both of you going forward? Sure, sure. So, Civilized is a lifestyle brand and platform that is much bigger than us, of course, Um they uh, came out of St. John, New Brunswick and uh, Los Angeles, Derek and Terry Reedley,
3: mm-hmm. and out of
1: their uh, agency, actually, uh, in St. John and uh, Revolution, which was also recently acquired by Civilized. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it, it comes out of the idea that cannabis can be a, uh, a responsible, <laughs> responsible adults can use cannabis and it can be yeah. part of everybody's lifestyle. It doesn't need to be the sole purpose of their life but it is part of their life, right? And so it's, yeah. it's about travel and it's about food and it's about business. It's about all the things that are normal in people's, you know, a civilized life, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and this is just part and parcel. So it's a lot of sort of driving down stigma. It's a lot of this being part of a normal person's um, life. And, and the fact that it has been for a long time is sort of everybody coming out of a cannabis closet, you know, yeah. some very quickly and some very slowly, but it's certainly – part of part of a lot of people's lives, which is sort of what Derek and Terry that's the insight upon which they launched Civilized.
3: Yeah. They're
1: also the folks that uh watched the World Cannabis Congress, which is where we really met them really like pretty pretty intensely and were so impressed with what they did in St. John last June. Yeah. Um, and and they also sort of were the the brain trust behind the um, global cannabis partnership um, right. which was launched uh, in June as well. So um, so it's it's a super talented bunch again based in St John and in l a um, and their their content is top flight, their partnerships are top flight, and the talent like the people not surprising are the ones that make the difference in a company like that that 's on mm-hmm. rapid growth, um, talking to uh, you know industry here, industry in the states that how rapidly it's developing these two places and around the world, you know they want to be part of that sort of stigma. Stigma tackling conversation, and I think in a lot of ways are they brought in Chelsea Handler toward the end of last year for a nationwide tour under their banner. So it's been um, it's been fun. So so we met them probably before the World Cannabis Congress for sure. Like I did an interview with Derek. Riva did an interview with Derek for one of our publications, um, and then we went to the World Cannabis Congress and were just impressed with the level of execution. Yeah, it's a lot it's a great of. Event. Yeah, which a lot of this comes down to, and that we can talk. About. I'd like to talk about execution as well because I sure. think that is the core of what people have been successful and will be in this industry moving forward. But um, we met them and the whole team, and it was just super pro. <laughs> like really, I mean, the, the 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 province and the city rolled out their red carpet, but yes. it was also the everything about the event. Um, you know, from soup to nuts, everything was was as you would expect from a high level conference. Or high level event and that was impressive to us at the same time this was after medical cannabis week 2018 we knew we were on to something in terms of the reach we had within the industry not only because we had produced medical cannabis week, but we had also produced our first publication our first magazine papers uh, mm-hmm. we had also like we had we, this is even reverse one for sex so last january we had done the research we knew we had something we knew we had connections to lots of good people and like, we were like, oh, we should, this is last January. We should staff up with a team of writers and put together, you know, like a publication, like a real-time website thing. And then we were, then we were like, ran the numbers. And to do that is just so expensive. And not, not that it's not worthwhile, but it's really expensive. And we, like the journalism part was important, but more it was like having these conversations like this one, frankly, that we like to have yeah. and, and providing access to other people to do it. Uh, meaning, you know, putting it online, essentially. And so we said, well, how do we do that and do it in a cost-effective way? And so we started doing these web chat videos <laughs> that are mm-hmm. now quickit. But we did them and we learned how to do them and learned how to turn them out. And like it wasn't obviously so much about the production quality because that's, that's what it is on, online. Yeah. But it was about the conversations that we could put in front of the people that not everybody else was having. Right. And the same reason we love the industry and the people that were in it, if we could highlight them in some way that they weren't being highlighted in other ways, in other avenues that was going to be good for us. And so that's what we started doing. We've yeah. added audio, like a podcast to that, and we do our magazine. And so that's sort of our bread and butter, like highlighting those conversations was really a good, like, good way into a lot of these companies because even at that point in January, there were still conversations about stocks. But right. if you weren't talking about stocks, which is like a business page story, like if you weren't talking about the approach of the company or you weren't talking about you know, innovation in the set sector or you weren't talking about new startups that were coming – you know that that was the juicy part for us, and so we we could drive those conversations. So fast forward to June, we're in New Brunswick, and we were having that. Was, our team was together, uh, so me, Riva, and Blaine also we all went, and we yeah. set aside time to sort of do some strategic planning around our business. And we said, you know, this is um, like this is kind of an inflection point where you know seven months in or eight months in being up and running, we think we're onto something we see, you know, as well as you can see where the world is going, we are seeing where the world is going. We need to not pivot. That's not the right word, but we need to expand. We need to really find a way to take this to the next level or not. Like there was sort of an inflection point. And to do that, we either needed to find partners to do it, to find capital to do it and finding capital to do it involved like building your own team, which is, I know some people are driven by building a huge team. We were not, um, we were driven by what we were doing and wanted to keep doing that. And then we sort of surveyed the landscape and said, who would we ideally want to do that with? And we, we were obviously in St. John yeah. uh, at a civilized event. And we said, these are the, this is the approach we really, like the professional approach, you know, a much bigger team, obviously, you know, really good at, at sales and back end and infrastructure and content and all those things that we really need to be good at in order to get to the next level. Instead of recreating the wheel, could we find, <laughs> like civilized, could we yeah. find civilized? And, and could we like, do we, do we bring value to them? Could they bring value to us? And so a conversation ensued um, and it, it, it ensued over the summer and then later, later into the fall. And then, you know, it was, you know, there, there'll be lots written about sort of mergers and acquisitions in the sector, but this one, you know, we, I think we see the world in a very similar way yeah. and want to have a lamp And ours is obviously a core business function Um, like core business content, research, and events. And there is much more lifestyle and stigma. Um, Mm -hmm. But together, we capture a lot of that. And, you know, we like their approach, we like their approach, and the ability to execute. And this is the execution part. I know it's sort of why people love you too. It's like, oh, ideas are great, but only if you can actually leave that meeting and then do it. And, And that's what people actually respond to, much more so than the idea um is the actual doing and we thought we were doing pretty great and they thought that i we think they're doing great and, right. actually, and and turning the idea into reality is super important and um and it's funny we just uh yesterday i interviewed the CEO of uh, Medifarm Labs and mm-hmm. like we talked to them over the past you know the course of the year and it really is like they saw a slice of the market that they were going to go after yeah and then went after it and built and did it and built and yeah. did it and built and did it. And like, it's the execution that obviously they are much more successful than us, but like the execution on their slice of the market yeah. on their approach has resonance and it has resonance no matter if you're recruiting and training, if you're doing sort of business focused content, if you're extracting for hire, like that is a, those are all different slices and the execution is the key and, like not to get like too business schooly, but all those things that you would ever learn in business school. Not that I went, but yeah. are about executing.
2: Yeah, and I think that's even for individuals, like perhaps not like founders of a business, but I think people on an individual level too who are being really successful in the industry. Like so many smart people and just like working really hard to execute yeah. on you know different projects and initiatives for for their various businesses. And I mean that's always even the advice I give to people on the candidate side is like find a way to like add value around your skill set to this industry. Like, if think critically about how you could apply your skills to this industry and then, like, go out and demonstrate that before you even have, like, a job on the table and execute on that, and people will yeah. notice. Um, and there's been this kind of theme in these conversations I've been having around just, like, how approachable the industry really is, like, especially if you're showing up and showing how, like, you've been really smart <laughs> already right. um,
1: yeah. in
2: terms of thinking about how you could be a part of this industry.
1: Yeah. And, and and yeah, and, and there are. Well, I get a lot of. Um, I mean, you probably get way more, but I get people pinging me from all walks of life to, how do I get into the industry? And and yeah, I I don't. There's no. I mean, I I tell them to call you. Huh. Um right. but, but, but but because you know, like you know where the the hiring is and the opportunities. But like I think that's. Here's an interesting. So so I, uh, John Francis and I went to New Jersey in um, in June. The New Jersey cannabis industry association had an event and I reached out to an attorney who I know down there who was doing compliance work for a major, major hotel company around the world. Yeah. Um, she was their chief compliance officer and risk management. And she came to the event. She's like, she's like oh, cannabis. Like, I'm a regulatory lawyer. I see this. Compliance, I know. I know really well. And I know New Jersey because this is where our home base is. And she, and then she left. When she left so I'm not going to say where she left, but she left her job and then she, I just interviewed her this week. Like she started a consulting practice that was primarily around cannabis, primarily around startups because startups in cannabis in the States, it's all about compliance. Overlay that, but they can't actually bank. Overlay that, that they can't actually do interstate trade right. or commerce. So it's right. like, it's a real compliance thing. And she's, yes. I mean, she's a high end lawyer, so it's a little bit easier to translate, but she actually, and this is, this goes back to when we actually started like even she has pushed her professional and personal chips onto the table and said, yes, I am working in cannabis because this is an emerging market that I want to be part of. And even though I am a lawyer, like I am still taking a risk along with this industry to go do this thing. And, and that's true. Even when we were here, like meeting with the big law firms, when we first started out, you know, they said, we're actually in the space, but we don't want to talk about it. But the the attorneys, I I think of like Hugo at um, Oxley, like he was at Bennett Jones. He was an up and coming sort of partner. And he said, we're going to work in the cannabis space because we see the opportunity. And I'm sure there was no like asking for permission from the senior partners. It was, we're going to do this. Right. And well, you know, we are, we are pushing in our chips professionally and personally on this industry because we believe in it and we believe there's opportunity. But that was as risky to him in his realm as it is for someone who had a, you know, million square foot greenhouse and they want to convert it. Like it just yeah. same, same type of risk tolerance. Yeah. Um, different parts of the industry, but it was, you know, that risk is, is real. And that's what attracts us to it still. Yeah.
2: And I mean, I think the flip side of risk and like, I'm going to segue a little bit. I mean, you you mentioned your daughter and you have two kids, like, um, (laughs) like I'm assuming they know their dad works in cannabis and like, (laughs) I mean, how, how is that about being kind of like a parent in, in this leak, like era of legal weed? Like, um, do you feel the stigma in that?
1: Well, I say that I don't, like I don't, um, and we talk pretty open. Like they see it, and not, I'm, not, I'm not saying this in like i I'm not bragging, but like I'm also pretty visible. Like they see my videos online, but also right. like I'm on TV and the radio and like lucky enough that people call me for, for whatever I know. Um, but so they see that, and then they see people come up, whether they do parents at school or other people, like, oh, you're Jay, like I just saw you on the radio, I heard you on the radio, whatever. So like they know that, but they're also young enough where they're, like they don't even know what it is. Like we've described what it is and, you know, mommy and daddy like to have a drink. It's similar to that. Some people use it as medicine. Like we, we go through a whole thing. And so, but they also know that when they say that to other people, when they say my dad runs business of cannabis, like people giggle, like that there is some reaction. (laughs) So they're, they're not, they're not totally immune to it. Um, They're
2: using it to their advantage.
1: (laughs) They do. But I also say, and this is, um, this is very specific. Like they go to a small Jewish day school in downtown Toronto where stigma around cannabis does not exist necessarily among the parent body. And right. if it's not me, a business of cannabis, there's two parents that work at Lyft. There is, um, all the lawyers, you know, and all the big firms in downtown Toronto have some file that is related to cannabis. Right. Um, there's real estate people related to cannabis. Like it's, there's only a hundred or so families and there's many people in the cannabis space. Cause this is, yes. you know, this is an important home to it. So I would, and I'm also the president of their school board. So, like there's uh-huh. no, like, and everybody knows what I do. And so yeah, it's not, great. it's not so much that, but at the same time, it's also funny on the sort of other generational side. Like right. my parents are like, they talk about it a lot. They spend most of their time in Florida. And I think, you know, they talk about cannabis a lot now. And I think this is actually, I think it's an undertapped kind of market, but also cannabis is the conversation of the day. Right. I don't mean to but like of the year and maybe of the uh-huh. decade right. that this is disruptive in so many different in positive ways that like, there's no, sh- this goes back to getting into the industry. There's no shortage of places to get in because you could be someone that runs a retirement home, right. And that's your business, but yeah. Cannabis has touched that. You yeah, could be a corporate sure. lawyer and cannabis is touching that. You could be a recruiter like yeah. I've been and, yeah. and cannabis is core to that. And, you know, and it's, and I think Daniel Sachs says it a lot. Like he went to the same conference last year in, um, in, 12, in 2017, and he said he was talking to people about what he wanted to do on the real estate side, and people were telling him that he was too late. I was <laughs> like, well, <laughs> like, it can't be too late. And actually, Mark Spear, who I don't even know other than on Twitter, like he, he tweeted out, you know, nobody tells a new microbrewer when they start up that they've missed the boat on beer. Right. Right. right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, this is new and it's exciting now, but I think it's going to be not new but still exciting in a year, 10 years and three. It yeah. be a different place to enter.
3: Well,
2: and the market has so much, like the industry and the market has so much maturity still, like, to to go through and to achieve. Like, if if you think about just the fact that, I mean, we the Kemp's Act just came into effect on October 17th of 2017, and uh, or sorry, 2018, and, like, you know, there's a whole new suite of business licenses under that that are like just starting to be handed out, and then we've got the edibles legislation this year, and that's going to open up this whole new like breadth of like uh, products, and like we're just getting started really. And then that's just Canada. Like the international and global movement around this is is well underway. So um, I think sometimes. Especially people that have been in it, we're kind of in a bit of a bubble, and we we've been yeah. through a lot. And it's we everybody talks about how it's dog years or like a time warp in this industry. Um, but if you can if you want to join now, I think you're still probably you know again relatively speaking, gonna be part of the early crowd.
3: Yeah, yeah, I hope.
2: So. Yeah, cool. So yeah. I really I, I mean the story about like your family and your kids is um I think it's like very it's very civilized, like it's, it's very kind of on brand and I'm not saying it's intended to be that way, but <laughs> Thank it's, you. Yeah. it's really kind of showing that re- responsible adults can use cannabis and yeah. um, that can be part of a lifestyle. So I'm curious, how, how do you like to use cannabis in your life? Like, is ah. it a medical thing, a, a, a recreational thing, or the kind of that therapeutic wellness piece in the middle or somewhere along that spectrum?
1: I, I, um, I think it is so, a yes. All of those things. Right. I uh, I mean, er, you know, uh, early last year, I said, okay, I got to get a, I have to work with an LP because that's, I want to learn the business, like that's compelling, but I also want to get access to these cool products. And like a lot of people, I saw what like hydroposicary was doing and that was like, oh, I should get that spray because that's the cool product. And I went to a clinic and I got the thing and got hooked up with, um, I got hooked up with CanTrust and hydroposicary because CanTrust delivered same day in Toronto, Mm
3: -hmm. which I
1: thought might be helpful. Uh, yeah. And then hydropathicary because they have that cool product. So I wanted to see how that system worked. And certainly it did. And, you know, and the products are great. Um, and so, but I was like, yes, yes, I had a recommendation for insomnia, but like many, there was, was a good way to get uh, cannabis delivered to your door um, mm-hmm. legally. Um, I, you know, I use it to help sleep for sure. Like CBD drops for sure. Um, uh, when, I, <laughs> when I'm stressed out, which is... Uh, A lot these days or over the past year for sure and then recreationally I use it a lot Um, I was trying to think of my alcohol consumption versus my cannabis consumption because it came up on the conduct and I I mean we I'm not going to let my wife in with me but um, we use a lot more cannabis now than we drink Uh, I would say I even think of um, not to get all black gray or silver market depending on your (laughs) what you want to call it but but there's a place in Toronto that we went to get edibles for New Year's Um, and, like, to eat a half a gummy, to go out to dinner with friends, first of all, is way more cost-effective and way more fun, and you feel better yeah. the next day than it is exactly. now. So, like, I think, you know, we, that's, like, our MO now. Even when we go out to dinner ourselves, and actually, we're going out of town this weekend. Um, like, it's just, a, it's, it's longer-lasting, it's way less expensive, it's a better experience, it's kind of more fun, you feel yeah. better the next day. Like, I don't, there's not a lot of downsides to it, except you can't actually get it yet. Um Right. But even still, like it's, um, you know, they're those are that's going to be, like, and I know they're worried about this, the alcohol beverage industry, and that's why they're investing in it. But if people give it a try, not to be all you know, evangelical about it, but right. like if you could find a dose that worked for you, and you could learn how to control it, and it wasn't too strong, you know, you found what works for you. Like it, it just is a, for me, it's a, it, it's more fun and it's better, right? And I like right. it more. Um,
2: I think that's a really, like, good point. Like, I think the thing about especially edibles of any kind is, like, you really do have to find – you have to test it out a little bit and find what what dosing is right for you. Um, And I think – you know, we're starting to learn more about strains and cannabinoid profiles and um, terpenes and how all those things actually affect us individually and and, um, present differently in in different products. But like, I I think there's so much to that, that um, as we learn more about it, it's going to affect us. Like, for example, I mean, I I know there's a lot of criticism given to the like Indica Sativa classifications of cannabis, but I mean, there's, there's cannabis that I've had that's like a, you know, an indica, it's a higher THC profile that I suggesting that it's going to be good for sleep. But then for me, it makes my heart race. Yeah, <laughs> like in a way where I can't go to sleep. Um, yeah. Like I might get some of the sedating effects, but then I also get this racing heart. So, and then like I don't actually know. Like, okay, is that is that the way my body's interacting with a certain terpene? Is it right. interact like interacting with a certain cannabinoid? I, like I don't know. But I'm I'm fascinated for for the day where we have more of that information, um, and we can start to I think. I think that's when there's a bit more mainstream acceptance because people can really figure out how to use it in a way that works for them individually.
1: Yeah. I also, um, this is my personality, I, like, I, I'm panicked about being too high. So I, <laughs> like, I'm constantly like underdosing, I would say. Um, right. But, I, but that's, that's because I also find that uh, with some, like it's, it's almost panic attack inducing Um Some right. in of it. And that's not, <laughs> not where I right. want to be ever. Like I want to use it for the opposite. Um, yeah. but, but finding all those things is, is helpful. So I, so I'm like a chronic underdoser, under smoker, which is why actually I like vape pens because yeah. it's like, it's not yeah. like you're not going to get the most high, but you can control it a lot easier. Um, yeah. and so like, I think that's an important game changer when they come online, but even, yeah. you know, it's not hard to find them. Um, right. but I like that too, because you know, with a joint, it's really hard to figure out what's going on. And yeah. Like we've been, I'm sure you have too, like dabbing is my, like, seems like my worst nightmare just because it's too, too intense and strong. And like, right. I don't want, like I, I, not only do I not want that, like I, I know I can't handle it. So like I would never take a shot of Bacardi 151 because right. <laughs> it's too much. Um, but, but I do like to control it a lot more because I like to, not that I like to be in control. That's not it. Cause I, I like <laughs> to drink as well. Um, but I, but I just find like from beginning to end to next day, like that's just much much better. And so, even when I'm um, even with the flower, like I have a a Da Vinci vaporizer, um, mm-hmm. like I I just find that's a much more enjoyable way to consume it. Because um, yeah. I'm you know because I don't I'm not going to smoke a whole joint by myself, um, but I will you know take a couple of hits off the vaporizer, which I do like. And then yeah. you know I like trying out. <laughs> this is this is like not only our are, are regular people, not that I'm not a regular person, but like when I get to the Ontario Cannabis Store website, they don't know what to buy. I right. got to the Ontario Cannabis Store website. So I'm like, what should I buy?
3: And right. I realized that
1: like, well, I, don't, I know people at these five LPs, I should buy a little bit from all of them. So I could say that I'm trying it. And I right. did. And I do. Um, but the more people you meet, the more you have to buy. And so it becomes a very expensive <laughs> proposition. But right. it is, But um, well, i do like to try what they're putting out because that's nice conversation. It feels like it's business development as well. So,
2: yeah um, yeah sure. well and it's it's interesting i mean i i haven't bought a, a ton of cannabis um since it's been legal i um, lucky to have some home grow that's been shared with me and yeah. um that's usually where where I land but it's it's it has been interesting to see the different kind of product quality of the product I have bought yeah. um you know some buds that look really great and some that look like they've been like in a like shrink wrap bag for a couple of years, Um but and even that is just interesting to see how, you know, how all of that will shake out in the market and what brands real will really like rise to the top over time. Yeah. Um. I think right now it's kind of like whatever you can get your hands on in a lot of ways, but um, yeah.
1: And I also think, and I, and I agree with everything you said. I also think, um, there will there's going to be this stratification, if that's the right word, of like you know, there's going to be that high-end premium right. that, you know, and, and you know, we know, like it's Cancel's Labs and Broken Coast and Supreme and, and the high-end, high-end. And then, and, and then there'll be like the Budweiser, right? Right. And, that, and like Budweiser is a very successful company. We know what the companies are going to be that do that. Um, but there's room for all of those things. Yeah. And I think this is, this is a branding conversation, but like it's really a difficult place to, to break into on the brand side because there's very little traditional ways to actually do that right now. Right. And, and uh, yeah, it's going to be. I'm glad that's not my job at an LP to like find brands that are super successful and crush it because I think that's really, really difficult right now.
3: I,
2: I completely agree. I think the the marketing congen- conundrum is like really interesting. And I, I almost feel this is going to sound weird, but I almost feel like it's like that marketing conundrum is kind of like found its its home, <laughs> meaning that, like, if there's anybody that I feel like can, like, put their heads together, like, be creative and, like, find workarounds or generally, like, solve that problem, I feel like it's the, like, super talented, hardworking, entrepreneurial people in this industry. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I find it to be a really intriguing conversation. Uh, it's one more example of, like, kind of just the regulatory uncertainty and, and challenges, and I, I'm quite sure that Health Canada hasn't figured it out either, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. but... It's interesting. It's, and then it's interesting, some of the kind of experiential marketing pieces that are emerging around that. Yeah. Um, what do you, I guess, like, what are you excited about in the marketing space?
1: Well, it's so funny because I just had this conversation and I think this is not traditional, but it's like the, the companies that have actually created a brand that you know about, meaning like the, the company is, and this is for good and bad. Like the company is wrapped up in the, the brands are wrapped up in the company in the leadership. And I think oh. this is mostly in a positive way. Like, I think of with Labs. Right. What I know about them is Dan Sutton, right. right? And what a lot of people who tried their products know is Dan Sutton. And that, that can carry you a long way. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. what you know about, you know, it's what people knew about Apple a long time ago, right? It was Steve Jobs,
3: right? right?
1: And it was, yeah, a superior product, but that only mattered because you knew who Steve Jobs was, right? And right. like you think about Patagonia, which people love their clothes, but if it was just the clothes that you loved, not the company itself and their approach to doing business, it would just be great clothes, right? Like there is so much in the company and the approach. And I think of like a green release here, like the grow with Mm -hmm. aquaponics. People love that story. That is a very compelling brand, even though it has nothing to do with like their branding, right? It's about the feeling you get when you hear that name and what the approach is. That is, and same thing with Broken Coast and same thing with Supreme, right? You know, when people know, can, can identify Supreme by saying respect the plant, like, and I know that that's a small subset of of the population, but a big subset of heavy consumers of cannabis like mm-hmm. that is that's powerful and mm-hmm. and I think like that's you know that's understanding your strength, playing to that, and building that, but it's really not about buying mass advertising right it's it's uh, much more grassroots and much more you know focused on the company or the individuals, because that is the brand of the company, because it's leader-led now, right? It's founder-led, all these companies so far. Right. And it will transition as marketing regulations ease up. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, I I like that because it's, it's very early days, and I like it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it, it'll expand beyond that, but I think there'll always be a place for that, that story having real resonance with consumers, even if it's not 100% of consumers. It doesn't need to be. You need to find your right. 1% right like you think of I, I think of like steam whistle right so they okay. have one thing they do they do pilsner beer period right right they have like one percent market share i feel like that's what it is nationwide but they are nationwide one percent is a lot you can build a very successful business on one percent right. of the market share yeah. doing one thing and like that it started as a you know people know who started like early days people knew who started it they were the ones actually selling the product but and it grew to this nationwide thing and I bet most people don't know who Sustainable is in terms of their leadership or startup story, but it worked. Like That is a that is a track that is interesting to follow, I would suspect, because um, you don't need 20% market share or 30% market share. That's beautiful if you get it, but they, people can't even supply that now. So right. what is it actually going to look like? Where is your slice? How are you going to get it? And then go get it and keep it.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think, like, nobody can take away your story from you, and, like, nobody can prevent you from, like, not telling your story, and, and then, and you're not talking necessarily about consuming cannabis, you're not necessarily trying to promote some sort of, like, crazy lifestyle component, you're truly just telling your authentic story, and we know people connect to that, Um yeah. and, yeah, it's it's super smart. And the uh, yeah. like the other piece, even about the market share, I mean, I think the thing that's really like exciting about this sector is there's room for businesses of all size and like yeah. I was in tech prior to this and that was not the case either you were the billion dollar unicorn or you were nobody right. and if you weren't right. trying to be the billion dollar unicorn like why the heck are you here um, right. so this industry is faster paced than tech and in many ways has more hustle um, yeah. but there's room for everybody and that's really refreshing for me
1: yeah and it's interesting because I think it's like what is the what is analogous to Canada is it you know, I don't, it's not cigarettes because cigarettes, people find their cigarette and then keep it literally for 50 years. Right. Which is why there's not a ton of new cigarette companies. Right. Okay. Um, is it beer? Cause people do drink a variety of beer. They have a, like drinking beer and then high end beer and like beer, they would bring to a party. So there's a bit of that.
3: Okay. Is it more
1: like wine because people like to show off wine? Like all the, you know, I think it's a little bit of all of those things, certainly on the adult use side and You know, there's, there's, you know, I don't know, 10 different, the highest of high-end premium scotch, for example, right? And there's lots of wines over $50 a bottle. (laughs) I guess, uh, you know, so, and they're in competition with each other, yes. But if you buy one of their bottles every year at New Year's, that's a business. (laughs) It's a good business for some people. Um, Of course, you want people to buy more, but we were actually talking about the Super Bowl. So I even mentioned this earlier with this company that did this research about would people be consuming cannabis versus alcohol? And that's, 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 but that's a bit like, you know, you could think of the days, the occasions where you buy something special, right? Is it it's New Year's? It's the Super Bowl,
3: yeah. Canada
1: Day, May 2, 4 maybe. You know, like, and you want to bring the thing that is the show-off, right? or yeah. like the premium. And you're going to buy it once a year or twice a year or four times a year, but it's occasion-based. And, like, the occasion-based weed is actually pretty cost-effective to bring versus the high-end scotch. Um, right. and, and you can consume more of it over time. Like I, I think there's, right. this is all going to bifurcate it and, and strike, you know, there's going to be different, different parts of this market, but I think that's an, that's an interesting one to follow. And then, you know, what's the mass market, what, you know, what's the day to day, what's the, and then you add layer on top of that is like vape pens and edibles and, you know, different kinds of occasions you want to use. Things. So it's going to be a uh, fun to watch. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not on the side of the industry that is selling any of those things because I think figuring out how, when, and where to do that is yeah. challenges Challenge. that, I, that I'm interested in learning about but not actually executing on because right. I think it's going to be difficult. But um, it's great, to t- great for you and I to talk about it.
3: Right.
2: Well, and, and so maybe we'll wrap up there. But, yeah. I mean, we've talked about a bunch of things, but maybe what stands out for you as, like, what are you most excited about in 2019 in this industry, whether it's in your business or Trends?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I am excited about our business. Not to self-promotion, but you know, we will be at some point soon, sort of being integrated into this to the civilized world, um, and, you know, and them into ours as well. And that that is exciting from all of the things that why we want to do it in the first place. So that's that's exciting. I think there's some really exciting things like actual event things that not only that we're doing, but we'll execute on. But I am looking back, to back, looking forward to getting back to St. John. Uh, in June because I think the World Mm -hmm. Cannabis Congress is not only a great deal of fun, but also like important fun. Um, I'm going likely to Germany at the end of March for the uh, International Cannabis Business Conference. Oh, I love
2: that you just said that because I'm planning to go as well.
1: Well, as soon as we get off, I'm going to send you something because we're going to do a whole shindig. Um, Yeah, no, it's going to be like, I, I like that. And then I think like that may be something we'd like to do because it, it's good positioning for us and it's great content and it's good for the sort of delegation, if you will. Um, so those are sort of two highlight things and wow. then all the stuff we're doing. And I think, and this is, uh, you know, uh, it, it, and I don't even know what sort of mode we're in, but, the, you know, we we have been in like super startup mode for a year plus. Um, and I would like to get a more stable state, right? I don't, you know, I might get bored, but like, it would be nice to be in a more stable state of affairs where, you know, it's it's always going to be hustle, but it, the hustle becomes much more realized, I think, sort of realizing yeah. the, the work. Yeah.
3: Well, it all
2: starts to integrate together and you start to see, like, the real kind of fruits of your labor. I can totally,
1: yeah. like, do the you? same thing every day. What about
2: you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think 2019. Oh man, um, it's just some similar kind of ideas. I mean, it's continued just growth for us in terms of building out our team and adding capacity to, um, you know, do what we do best, which is connecting great talent with um, great employers in this space. And um, you know, looking at you know how do we bring value to the community beyond. Um, some of our core services and and have some interesting kind of ideas around some events. So yeah, it's going to be great. And like, I mean, just, just even the fact that we're going through this cycle now of moving the edibles legislation forward and that, that then at the end of this year, that's going to be this another inflection point where there's going to be all these new businesses entering the market. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really great for our business and, and for us to continue to be partners for businesses in this sector to grow, so um, I'm slightly tired just thinking about it. <laughs> um, but that's that's the way this goes. I mean, and we're also starting not even February, right? I know. <laughs> after Lyft, I was like, is it possible that I'm burnt out? Like, I got this quickly after the holiday break. Um, yes. But and then international pieces, like we're we got our first client out of Australia. Um, to help them build out their staffing plan for a production facility. So like an equivalent to a licensed producer in Australia Um, and continue to have a a lot of interesting conversations with organizations, you know, starting production facilities in other countries that are really interested in learning from Canadians about, you know, what we've done so far and, you know, how we've been successful on kind of the human capital side. Um, So, Excited to be able to hang out with you in Berlin. And I was going I was, I was to say, I'm looking
1: forward to, to more Alison McMahon time. That's going to be that, great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so Jay, we'll wrap up there, but where can we find you online? Like what's the best uh, channels to awesome. connect with you?
1: Yeah. So businessofcannabis.ca always. Our our most popular channel is um, Twitter at B-O-F-C underscore can- Canada on Twitter. And you can find us on LinkedIn and uh Uh, Instagram as well at business of cannabis and uh, even on Facebook, we're going to build out more of our Facebook stuff uh, starting soon, but you'll also start, you'll be the first to know we're going to probably not next week, but the week after starting a daily show. So we're going to sort of consolidate our content in a studio in Toronto where we're going to be hopefully in the morning at some point doing sort of a recap of the day's most important story plus an interview. And then everybody gets on with their day, but it'll be something that we produce every morning that, People can watch throughout the day and and learn what's happening. That's the jam.
2: Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and having this chat. And uh, And, uh, we'll talk soon.
1: See you in Berlin. You you bet. (laughs) Bye, Dave. Bye, Allison. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us. Before you go, I wanted to remind you that if you're interested in a career in cannabis, you can register with us by submitting your resume at at cannabisatwork.com. Also, don't forget to get tickets to the industry's biggest career event, the Cannabis Career Festival, happening on September 27th in Toronto, Ontario. Tickets and information can be found at cannabiscareerfestival.com and you can use the promo code PODCAST for 15% off tickets. If you like what you heard in the podcast today, please leave us a review and a rating. Thanks, and we hope to see you out and about
3: in the cannabis industry.